Welcome to Machine Learning. Bible imagery, hearts. <clears throat> Judges 10, 11. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did not I deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines, the Zinanons, and also the Amalekites and the Ammonites did oppress you? You cried unto me, and I delivered you out of their hand. Yet ye forsake me, and served other gods, wherefore I will deliver you no more. Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen, let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned, do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee this day. And they put away the strange gods from among them, and served the Lord, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. The Lord was the protector of his unfaithful wife, Israel. In her despair, Israel asked her faithful husband to protect her. The Lord said he would protect her no more. She acknowledged her affair with Balaam and pled for the Lord to save her from her enemies. The Lord then listed all the groups of people he had defeated for her to keep her safe, Yet she did not remain faithful to him. The Lord admitted he was grieved for the misery of Israel, having still loved her. The Lord loves Israel with all his heart, and yet he knows he must establish a boundary between himself and Israel, lest he be caught in dependency. He still loves Israel, and he will work to restore her over time. Israel seems to be submitting to her husband in her despair. Israel is beginning to trust the Lord, and then he can heal her and restore her glory. The Lord must judge if Israel's heart has changed, and she has become devoted to him and not other strange gods. When a man loves a woman, especially his wife, he will go to great efforts to ensure her comfort and well-being. The man will work hard for his love and devote her love and devotion. In the movie Otto, his future wife asked him why he was not eating a meal. Otto tells her he ate before meeting her at the at the um, restaurant. She asked why he did that. Otto says he didn't have a lot of money, failing to be accepted in the army because of an enlarged heart, and he wanted her to be able to order the meal she wanted. I was touched by the scene as she embraces him and kisses him, realizing his deep love for her. I am the proud father. I am proud of my father for continuing to live after the death of my mother over a decade ago. He found reasons to live rather than join her. I dreamed mom sat by dad as he ate. I ran to her and held her cheek to mine. It was so wonderful to see her. My emotions were real. I asked what she was doing. She said dad was lonely and she was keeping him company as he ate so he would not uh, be alone. Dad did not see mom as he ate slowly. My daughter Midori watched an old man in a restaurant who told the waitress his wife had just died. She watched the man eat. I, I told her to watch carefully the man's human experience. Here's what she wrote about it. Heart Stool by Midori Garcia. 
A lone man, older than most, with a wrinkled face and the slightest hunch, walked over out of the peaceful evening air and into the tantalizing Mexican restaurant. He looked around at the festival walls. He stood there until finally a hurried Hispanic woman bustled over. Just one, she asked. He looked down. It's only me, he said quietly. Follow me then, she said, and quickly turned to find him a place to sit. He obeyed and followed her into the finely furnished Mexican-designed dining room. It wasn't quite stuffed with the hungry customers as of yet. The Hispanic woman showed him to a small booth. He carefully maneuvered his frail body onto the bench. Anything I can get you to drink, she asked with a heavy accent. He looked up with her into her face and smiled at her. Oh yes, what do you have is, that is good? Her crystal blue eyes could hardly focus on her. His crystal blue eyes could hardly focus on her face, but from what he had seen, she was very lovely. A young man has probably already captured her heart. I do hope and pray that they will always live in happiness and share the love that he could not finish his thought, for she had already begun to answer his question. Well, we have water, iced tea, coffee, and Pepsi beverages. Oh, he said, looking down for a moment. He looked up and smiled. I think I'll just have water, he said. She nodded and walked away. She watched her. He watched her go and then looked around the restaurant. There was a family of three kids, one uncle, a father, and a mother. As he watched this small family converse, the father suddenly looked up at the wife. Their eyes met, and they both smiled. Absolute pure happiness radiated from the two. And for that split second, the three laughing children, the other people around them, none of them mattered, except for each other. That's all they could see was each other, and he had seen that. Carefully, he folded the teeny note. He shyly looked over at her. She looked beautiful today, as always. Her olive skin and dark hair that always shone in a light lighting made her appear to have an exotic look. Her big chocolate brown eyes were perfectly framed with long curl uh, dark lashes that she used to get out of any trouble she might face. He looked down at the note in his hand. He unfolded it and read it and what it said. Dear Amaya, do you like me? I really want to know. I like you. Yes, no, X1. Then let me meet me at the swings. He decided it would have to do. It was already sort of wet from him holding it to so long, being nervous and all. He looked over at Jimmy. Pass it to Amaya, he said quietly, so the teacher would not hear. Jimmy nodded and quietly took the note. He watched as it silently passed from student to student. He was so nervous he couldn't help but sweat. Finally, it reached her. His anxious watch as she carefully unfolded the teeny note. He tried to read her face as she read what he had written inside. After a minute, she looked up directly at him and then smiled. He couldn't believe it. She quickly wrote something on the paper and then folded it again. The teacher suddenly called his name. Would you care to give us the answer? The teacher asked. He stuttered, and then he couldn't come up with the answers, he said. Well, I guess this should prove to you that paying attention in class rather than looking elsewhere will highly help you out. Don't you think so? 
He nodded while looking down. Now class turned to when he was sure the teacher wasn't looking. He stole a glance at Amaya. She was already looking at him. She smiled her pudgy little smile. He smiled back and then quickly turned back around. But the smile remained on his boyish face. When recess came, he waited by the swings. He anxiously looked around for her. He couldn't spot her anywhere on the playground. Put down, he looked at the sand around his feet. Suddenly, there was a light tap on his shoulder. He turned to look at the angel's face. She smiled sweetly at him and reached for his hand. He gave it her willingly, and she placed the teeny note in the palm of his hand. He tore it open and read it that she had written. She had X, yes. He looked up and smiled at her. For a moment, everything was centered on the two eight-year-olds. They couldn't see any of the other kids on the playground. In that smile, all that mattered was her. Excuse me, sir, a voice suddenly pulled him back from his memory. Sir, the voice repeated. He looked away from the small family up to the Hispanic waitress standing over him. Yes, he asked. Are you ready to order or do you need more time? She asked impatiently. Oh, no, I'm ready, he smiled. Well, what can I get you? And he asked, um, she asked as she pulled out a piece of paper. He looked up at her. Do you really want to know what I want? He asked. What's that? I want a peaceful world with no heartache and sadness. Everyone loved and was loved in return. No one was afraid to love. They'd give all their heart and soul to those around them. That's what I wish for, he said solemnly. She just looked at him incredulously. Wow, she said. Then he paused for her before saying, can I get you anything to eat? Yes, and then he told his or um, he told her his order. She left to go and get his food. She sat back on the little cushion seat, and then took a sip of water. It was cool and refreshing, just like the snow. Sam, a silky voice called after him. A sudden shudder ran up his spine, and it wasn't because of cold. He turned to see her running up to him. Hi, she said breathlessly. I've been trying to catch up with you, she said with a laugh. For about a mile, I've been calling for you, he laughed. I'm sorry, he said. I didn't hear you. He looked at her. He never could get her unique, exotic beauty. Her dark hair was now stylishly cut. It fell to her shoulders and was layered to perfection. Her long lashes now wore a touch of mascara. Her slight pudgy cheeks had lost any of the baby fat. Her 17-year-old face was perfectly shaped. It looked as if an angel had carefully sculpted it out. She had high cheekbones, but not too high. Her olive skin was clear of any damage of having to go through the teenage stage. Her cheeks were slightly colored with the cold. Her perfect little nose was slightly nipped from the frosty air. Her lips framed her perfect straight pearly white tea smile. I'm sure... You didn't hear me, she said teasingly. Hey, you've been better watch yourself, Miss Hendricks, he warned playfully. Or what, she shot back. Is that a challenge, he asked. She smiled at him. Well, if you must know, you would have to be sorely punished for that. Oh, really, she asked. Yes, he said, and then smiled at her. He quickly picked up and scooped up a handful of snow. Quickly scooping it into a ball, he threw it at her. She gasped as it hit her square in the face. He laughed.
He looked at, she looked at him. Oh, well, a crime so cruelly committed at this cannot go unpunished without punishment either, she cried. She also scooped up some snow and threw it at him. It hit him in the shoulder. He returned the throw. They continued to laugh and throw snow until their fingers were cold and numb. He was laughing as he ran up and grabbed her around her thin waist. Throwing her over his shoulder, he spun her around and around. She continued to laugh as she told him to let her down. He refused and then suddenly hit a slippery patch of snow. He lost his footing and they both went tumbling down. She screamed just before hitting the ground. The snow luckily cushioned uh, Amaya's fall until Sam landed right on top of her. They continued their hysterical laugh until their sides hurt and they could no longer breathe. Fighting for control, Sam finally said, Thank you, Amaya. You've made me a very good landing. Well, you're welcome. Then she laughed again. I never knew you were so clumsy. They put them uh, both into a fit of laughter. I was a star football player on PE team. Did did you? He asked. No, I didn't. Did you know? Um, no, I didn't, she an- answered. Oh, yeah, everyone loved me, he bragged, and then he looked at her. At least the other team did. Why is that? She smiled. She asked with a smile. Who else would give them that many fumbles? He asked innocently, and falling and tripping over my own team helped them out a lot also. She laughed. Well, then I can see why they loved you so much, she said. He laughed also, and they stood and and helped her up. They brushed off the snow. Well, now that you have successfully ruined all of my hard work this morning on my hair. I think you owe me lunch. She said teasingly, trying to brush her hair back with her fingers. Yes, your highness, he said, bowing, and she laughed. Chop, chop, she said. He nodded and took her arm and started to escort her in the direction of the nearest restaurant, close to the high school. Your food, sir, the Hispanic woman said. He looked away from the window and down at his plate, plate filled with delicious Mexican food. He nodded to her. Can I get you anything else? I think I'm okay for the moment, he said, and she nodded and quickly walked away. He glanced at the food and then grabbed his fork. He forked some of the food and began to chew. He looked at the food on his plate. He suddenly wasn't hungry anymore. A frown came over his face. He sadly looked around at all the happy people. They all seemed to have a not a care in the world. A couple walked past his lonely booth. He had his arm around her and they were smiling. All of the people, thousands of them, they all have problems. Every one of them have to go through some kind of trial. But these ones are happy for the moment. None of them even notice the ones that are in pain. Maybe the only thing that they needed is to talk. But no one is considerate enough to even stop and listen. They just walk on by, never a second look. He looked at the wrinkled hand holding his fork. So many experiences these hands hold, he thought. The sky was clear of any clouds. The air was cold and crisp. The grass felt good as Amaya lay there next to Sam beside the lake, and the lake mirrored the many stars in heavens. 
Together they looked up at the sparkling stars scattering across the sky. He gingerly put his arm around her and took her hand in his. She snuggled in close to uh, stay warm in the fresh summer night. She rested her head on his shoulder. She rested her head on his shoulder and looked at the skies. Together they quietly told everything in their lives. They talked about the first year back to college after his mission. They talked about exams coming up and studying still needed. They talked about their families. They talked about favorite movies and books and then recalled their, recalled their childhood. They remembered the embarrassing, the good, the happy, and the sad times, all of them, and then talked of their future. They wanted what they wanted out of life, what they wanted to do, what they wanted to see. Let out everything, feeling so free, so open together. They felt so carefree around each other, and finally she fell asleep. And after a while, he had to awake her so they could get back. On their way back to the car, they passed the teeny stream. He gingerly kissed her for the first time. He was so nervous, he nearly missed. For three weeks, everything went smooth. They saw each other a lot now, and then came the dreadful night when they had their first fight. Amaya, he called after her, scrambling to get out of the car. She ignored him and quickly continued walking towards the apartment. Inside, she started towards her door and then was almost there. He called after for the 30th time that night. What, she asked, whirling around. He stopped abruptly by uh, the look on her face. She folded her arms and looked at him. I'm sorry, he said meekly. It hurt to see her mad and hurt features inside of her, usually carefully peaceful face. No, Sam, she said, forgetting to pick me up on my birthday and leaving me to stand in the freezing cold. He was pained. I'm so sorry, but I've told you a million times I lost directions you gave me, he said. Well, why'd you lose it? She questioned, and then he tried to calm himself. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. And he said, trying to be calm. Whatever. Fine, Amai, he cried. Don't accept my apologies then. Fine. And she turned and walked to the door. She opened it quickly, and then she slammed the door shut and locked it. He instantly regretted what he said. Amaya, he called to the door. Go away, she said, crying. He sighed. He looked around and then went back to the door. Amaya, please let me in. No, came the curt reply. Fine, by staying right here, he said. I'm staying right here. He walked, heard her walk away, and he did stay there. He slept right beside the outside of her door. It wasn't easy sitting there, but finally he fell asleep. And around seven in the morning, the door slowly opened. Sam, a quiet voice, asked. He slowly opened his eyes to see Amaya standing there in the sweatshirt and baggy shirt, uh, sweatpants and baggy shirt. Her hair was rumpled, but she was beautiful as ever. He quiet, quickly stood and walked towards her. He ran into the open. Her, his, she ran into his open arms. He wrapped his arms around her and. She cried on his shoulder. I'm sorry, he said. I'm so sorry. I am too, she sobbed. I shouldn't have overacted like that. I'm sorry. Then she slightly pulled away and looked up at him. I'm sorry for overreacting. I know you were trying your best. It's all right. I know how you must have felt. I would have reacted worse than that, he answered. She smiled, then laughed. He hugged her again and kissed her on the forehead. Can I get you anything else? I a tired voice asked. 
He looked up and realized the woman had repeated the question about three times. Sir, are you feeling all right? He tried to smile and nod, and he sighed and looked down. My wife just died, he said slowly. I'm sorry to hear that, the waitress said with no enthusiasm. We used to come here a lot, all the time together, but now I'm all alone, he said, and looking down at his food. I'm sorry, the woman said. He nodded. Sometimes I wish there was someone to talk to. We used to talk for hours on end, he said, and she nodded. Well, I have some people waiting, and I'm in a hurry, so I don't need, uh, if you don't need anything, I just let you finish eating, she said, looking around at everyone to see if they needed anything. He looked up at her. Okay, do you need anything, she asked. He sighed rejectedly and shook his head. She quickly walked away. He st sat back up. The food on his plate was no longer appetizing. Everything good in his life had been taken away from him. Every little piece of happiness felt like it was gone forever. His laughter used to come with almost every waking moment. There wasn't a time he wasn't happy, especially in her arms. Her love of life was evident in her acts and the way she laughed. There was always a smile on his her face. He sat looking around at all the smiling couples. He felt so alone. He loved to come to this restaurant and hold hands with his bride. His thoughts wandered back to the beautiful day in April. The flowers in bloom, lilies, tulips, roses, pansies, everything was bright and beautiful. He held her close as yet another picture was snapped. He looked at his new bride. Never had been so happy. A smile could be replaced on his happy, carefree face. Her white smile continued even after the picture was taken. The photographer, his aunt, had followed her to a shady spot under the large temple shadow. Oh, Kay, turn and look into her eyes, he, his aunt ordered. He turned and looked down into her round almond eyes. They almost looked like pools of chocolate that insisted on reeling him in. She was more radiant than ever, if that was even possible. Her hair was perfectly pulled back, not a hair out of place. Her veil was pulled back with her small Tara holding it onto her head. She didn't even need the little makeup that she wore. She gazed up at me. Pure happiness was radiating from her face. As her aunt snapped the pictures, they continued to smile and laugh together. It wasn't long after that that they were sitting in the hospital room holding their handsome baby boy. He was beautiful in every way. They named him Benjamin David. But of course he went by Ben. She carefully cared and nurtured all six of their children with two boys, two girls, and two little boys to finish off the family. Her love never ceased, and they were always happy. She never raised her voice. She was gentle and patient. She kept a clean house, and she knew how to have fun and laugh. They grew old together. They never stopped loving each other. These childhood sweethearts, together, they shared their whole lives. And then she was taken from him, just those few days ago, when she was stolen from him. It wasn't, it wasn't from any disease. Thank heavens that she didn't have to go that, through that. But it was from old age. Even as she lay there dying, there was still that gorgeous smile on her face. 
Her eyes sparkled as she looked around her at her six children, 31 grandchildren and 15 great-grandchildren, with two on the way. The whole life's work was all around her, everyone. With a smile and a laugh, she began to tell each of them how much she loved them and something important about each of them, for she could always spot the good in others when they couldn't see it in themselves. When she was finally finished, she turned to me. Her face was weak now with the effort of talking so much, but her smile had not faltered. She turned to me, and her smile brightened. Come here, love, she said gently. He obeyed, as always, and went her and went to her and carefully sat on the bed. She reached for his hand. Be good, my love, she said quietly, and do take care of my children. He started to cry before he said, I think it would be them taking care of me, love. She smiled. That may be true, but watch over them for me. He nodded weakly. Tears streamed down his face. She hated seeing him hurt so. She laughed softly. Remember when we were eight years old? She asked, and he laughed through his tears. The note? She laughed. I thought it was obvious, she said. About what? From the moment I first laid eyes on you, I was head over heels for that dark-haired, blue-eyed boy, she said tenderly. More tears rolled down his face. Don't cry, love, she said softly. I'm sorry, apologize. Live the rest of your life to its fullest, she said, gazing at him. And then with a soft smile, she continued, even without me. Another sob raked his body. Her face showed her concern. Gently, she reached up and placed her hands on the side of his face, turning his head till her eyes looked into his. Love, she said, please don't dwell on what's to come. Remember this moment together. Whatever you do, don't forget about it. She paused to catch her breath. A tear slowly found its path from her face. He nodded. I love you, she said sincerely. Every piece of her art went into those three words. I love you too, he said. I'll be waiting for you, my love, she said softly, slowly. Her eyes closed, and then her breath became more and more shallow. He took her hand in his. She smiled and squeezed his hand. Remember the lake, she whispered. I could never forget, he said quietly. That's good. Never, ever forget, she said. <clears throat> I won't, he promised. Sam, she said quietly. He could barely hear her. He leaned down towards her so he could hear what she was to say. Sam, she repeated, I'm here. Don't forget to laugh, she said, whispered. A tear escaped. She opened her eyes to look at him. I won't, my bride, he said. She smiled. Her final breaths were shallow and labored. Finally, she whispered, I love you, and then smiled, a peaceful smile which showed no more pain, and then she was gone from him. Amaya, he whispered, my love. The tears refused to be restrained as they rolled down his cheeks. 
he cried from deep within. The pain felt as if it would rip out of him and take his heart away. His son came up and put his hand on his shoulder. Life felt as it would now and that she was gone. Sir, the tired voice now had a hint of concern. He looked up. It was then that he felt conscious of the tears freshly wet on his cheeks. Sir, she didn't know what to say. Can I help you, sir? He wiped his face. I don't know, he said. Well, can I take your plate, she asked, and he he nodded. She reached out and took his plate. I'm ready to pay, he said. Okay, in a moment, she was back with a check, and then he filled it out and paid the money. She returned to take it. Thank you for coming, she said, taking the check. Visit again soon. As she started to walk away, he called after her. She reluctantly turned back and sighed. Yes? She tried not to sound irritated. He tried to smile. Take a deep breath, he said. Treasure life and all life gives you, for you never know when it will be taken from you. Her face softened, and she looked gratefully grateful for the first time that night. Thank you, she said softly. He nodded, and slowly tried to get up. His fragile body had a little difficulty getting up, so the woman gently and quickly went over and helped him up. Thank you, he said. She nodded and slowly made his way to the door. He put on his light jacket. The early spring evening air wasn't quite cold yet. He slowly walked into the car, climbed in. He decided to go on a little drive. Not realizing where he was going, he wound up to that same little lake. He opened his door and stepped out onto the soft ground and slowly walked with a slight limp over to a tree. He very slowly lowered himself onto the ground with much difficulty. He finally made it. He leaned up against a tree, looking out across the lake. Tears streamed down his face. He was troubled, so alone. I miss you, Amaya said quietly. I miss you. I wish you were here. I need you more than ever. He began to sob harder, his old, frail body raking. Suddenly there was the slightest breeze. It felt good, refreshing. In the breeze, he heard the softest sound. He almost missed it because it was so quiet. I'm here. It said quietly. Surprised, he got sat up straighter, and suddenly excitedly he called out, Amaya. There was no answer. There was a soft, warm feeling inside his bosom. He smiled for the first time in days. Peace is something to be found, and when troubled heart finally finds it, they have found their greatest treasure. Midori understood the human heart in her story. As an old man, I relate to this love story in my life as I ponder my marriage of 34 years. My wife has brought me love, comfort, and honor. I have felt her support and wisdom through the hard things of life and the impossible things where miracles had to occur to get through them. Together we serve our family, our church, and our community. We laugh together, we cry together. Hmm. On my last birthday, I paid for her flight to Tucson to hear her cousin because I knew it would bring happiness to her. It had been several decades since she had seen him. It was a great opportunity in our life to reconnect with the family. I cherish every day with my wife. 
Israel is preparing for the wedding. She is adorned with beautiful clothes and items of wealth. She is preparing and inspecting for the restoration of the groom to his proper place. Israel has been restored and her tears wiped away. The announcement of the groom will be heard as angels blow the silver trumpet in the Feast of Trumpets, which has occurred. There is no end of the world as the doomsdayers falsely prophesied. Instead, there will be a great gathering in preparation for the long-awaited wedding. The Lord will come and claim Israel as his own. He loves her.